0: Happy Thursday. Let's get to it. It is another edition of Sportsnet today. And we are live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Coming up a little bit later on in the program, final practice day at McMahon Stadium for the Calgary Stampeders. They're getting set to take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Saturday. We'll get you the latest from McMahon, a Stamps report with our pal Zom today. CFL Week kicks off tonight in Edmonton. Can the Elks finally end their long home losing streak? We will find out later tonight when they get set to take on the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We'll chat more CFL a little bit later on this hour. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Alongside an outstanding group of producers today. Garrett is here. Shan is here. Taylor is here. We had a great hour for you coming up here on Sportsnet today. And very happy to start that hour off. We're getting to it right away. Jumping down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, checking in with our pal from MLB Network, NHL Network, the Cinephile Podcast. You know him, you love him. It's Adnan Verk joining us this Thursday to kick things off. Verk, how are you, pal?
1: Logo, we're back, buddy. The last couple of weeks, we haven't spoken. I assumed you were off, or so was preempted, or I just wasn't necessary. So until that we're back, buddy, I can't wait. I got stories from Seattle, whatever you want to talk about. Baseball, hockey, movies, I'm all yours as always.
0: I appreciate that. And, yeah, let's start with that. Are you still out on the West Coast, or are you back from Seattle now?
1: Back from Seattle now. i got to tell you my quick horror story. So, <laughs> of course. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I took a week off. And MLB Network, listen, they're awesome with vacation time. And they generally say, hey, listen, we prefer you take time in the off season." I totally get it. But I did make the point that, you know, I work the baseball off season, of course, by doing hockey. So they're like, no, we get that. So, you know, I was like, hey, if I can take a week in June, visit my brother who lives in Wisconsin, take a week in August, visit my parents in Toronto. You know, when you're from cold weather places, so to speak, you want to take the summers off. And, of course, when you have kids, you're really beholden to them. So my, I'm, my time off is going to be summer, Thanksgiving, Christmas. With that as pretext. When you take a week off, it's pretty important, right? It's not like I have a job where I can just take another week off. It's not like I get eight weeks vacation. Like that week off is pretty important. And I'm doing it, you know, a couple weeks before the All-Star break. So Monday night, supposed to fly out of Newark in New Jersey to get to Wisconsin. 9 o'clock flight. supposed to be 11: 10.30, 11.30, 12.30. Kids fall asleep at midnight. At 3.30 a.m., they canceled the flight. Logo, that I've never seen it happen. Seven hours I waited And by the way, here's a lesson to you. Next time you travel, never, ever, ever check a bag. I don't care if you're going for like a week, like Turkey. Don't check a bag. You want to know why? Because my very smart wife had packed carry-ons for all of us. And after they announced the flight was canceled at 3.30 a.m., they also announced if you had checked your bag, you would not be getting it back, and it would be going to a ton. Like an absolute disaster. And the whole issue is they don't have enough pilots. There were showers that night. I go, hey, if it's weather-related, it's not weather-related. It's because they don't have enough pilots don't have a flight attendant. Ugh. Go back home defeated. I call Tuesday. Any flights? No. Wednesday? No. Thursday? No. Friday morning. You're telling me I took a week off during the baseball season to fly Friday morning to Sunday morning. Two days to go visit my brother and four kids. That's what you're telling me. My dad's 77th birthday on the Wednesday. I'm like, oh. I gotta get to Wednesday. Nope. Sorry, my dad. By the way, my dad hates flying. Logo. Not sure about your folks. My dad would like <laughs> rather take his own kidney out than fly. So he'll drive anywhere. So. From Toronto to Milwaukee, 10-hour drive, no problem. He stayed the night in Kalamazoo, had a blast. So <laughs> yeah, my dad's like, just drive. I go, Dad, it's 15 hours. Oh. Like, That's a serious trip with kids? Yeah. And uh, by the way, it's my wife and my youngest guy staying home. I should point that out. So I'm going to have to drive solo with three kids. I'm like, Dad, I'm 15 oh. hours. There's no way. Anyway, so he says, why don't you try a smaller airport? My wife said watch that. Back to old stomping grounds. Nine years in Connecticut, the old airport in Connecticut, Hartford specifically, Bradley. They got a flight at 6 a.m. Okay, fine, I'll take it. Thursday, I call our scheduling manager. Hey, you know, I took the week off for vacation. Just so you know, I got screwed, and I'm sitting around the house. What happened Wednesday? Our top guy, Greg Amstinger, calls out sick. That guy never calls out sick. I text him, like, dude, you okay? He's like, I have like 104 fever. Like, oh, my God. I go in. Logo, quick memory. What happened on that Wednesday? Domingo Hermann threw a perfect game. Yes. Greatest call out ever. I come into work. I get to watch a perfect game. Wow. Can't please high five me. Like, yes, what a day off the bench. You come in, you get to watch a perfect game. Then I go home, wake the kids up at 2 a.m., two-and-a-half-hour Uber to get to Connecticut, two-and-a-half-hour oh. Uber for a 15-, 12-, and 6-year-old kid. Again, the boys are the best. They just went to bed, all good. At 5.15, the guy goes, I have no good news. The pilot's not here, and he won't be here for another five hours. <laughs> I, I looked at my kids, and I go, here's each of your iPads. I'm going to sleep on the floor. <laughs> and at one point at 9 a.m., somebody said to me, Don't you work at ESPN? And I look at the guy and go, no, I used to. I work at MLB Network. I just saw perfect game last night. Leave me alone. I'm going back to bed. It was unbelievable. I also saw Jim Mora. Not Jim Mora playoffs, but his son, Jim Mora Jr., who was also in line. I worked with a few times at ESPN. I didn't want to bother him. I don't think he would have remembered me. But it was funny that I'm like, I look over and he looked annoyed as all hell. I go, it's good to see Jim Mora Jr. and I both getting screwed. Former San Francisco 49ers head coach, also as mad as I am. Eventually, the pilot did come. We'd never made it to Milwaukee. My, my parents actually came to Chicago, which is an hour and five minutes from where my brother lives. We had four great days boating, you name it. Canada yeah. by the way. We went in Milwaukee with fellow Canadians, uh, boating, barbecue, the rest of it. But, dude, the flights are insane. That brings us to Seattle. I'm now back from Seattle, but you know this is going to happen. 6 a.m. flight. What are we flying again? United. And what happened? United get again by getting screwed. This time we're on the plane. The pilot's there, but the pilot announces, uh, "We're having an issue right now, trying to find a runway." Oh, perfect! Yeah, thank God, yeah. MLB, yeah, thank God, MLB Network travels me first class. I look at the guy next to me and I go, "I get a little claustrophobic just like in general." Yeah. Now that we're stuck in this plane, it's going to start to kick in. So I'm going to take a melatonin. I show him the bottle. I go, "This is like you know natural stuff." Yeah. yeah. I'm going to take this sucker and I'm going to fall asleep. If I start snoring, like I'm sorry, but like otherwise, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> Now, thank God for United First Class logo. I, I pressed that recline button. I was yeah. fully horizontal. Dude, <laughs> I was fully horizontal. And I slept, and I woke up three hours later. I look at the guy. He goes, we're still in Newark. I'm like, I kind of thought we were. Like, yeah. I just had a feeling in my head, I'm like, we're not going to pick up. Yeah. Ten minutes later, we fly. Six-hour flight to Seattle. Nine hours on a plane. Well, Let me tell you oh. something. It was worth it. Seattle's awesome. Beautiful city. I've been to Vancouver twice. Yeah. Definitely yeah. reminded me of Vancouver. Very temperate. And it was the perfect time to be there. Like people talk with the gray of Seattle, but that's like November to May. July summers, we're talking plus twenty four and sunny with no humidity. Like it was perfect weather. And uh, you know me, I like to walk, so I went to the Piker Place Market, where, which reminded me of uh, Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco. But like you know, friendly people, good seafood. You get the water, you get the mountains, and that ballpark is awesome. Like I, I used to, I still want to call it Safeco, even though like it's T-Mobile, but I've always wanted to go to that park. And dude, that, that retractable roof when the sun comes in. Ichiro, Edgar Martinez, Grasshoppers. like They did their baseball right. It was an awesome time. And the, the best part of it was, and I'm never going to predictions, aside from the Oscars, as you know, I went 7-for-7 <laughs> on the home run derby bracket. I couldn't saw it. that. It sent me to go, yeah. And I, I, I dude, I was just like, and I'm, I'm going by like, guys I like. I'm like, I like Rosarito. He'll beat Garcia. Uh, I like Vlad Jr. He's a Blue Jay. Um, I think Julio will do well, hometown guy. And then they all came true. I'm like, yes. And then I was like, Julio will get tired, so will beat him. I guess you're right. Vlad wins over a right now. I'm like, I couldn't believe it. I got to buy a lottery ticket. And then, of course, Tuesday was amazing. I never thought I'd be on a set with Pedro Martinez, three time signing award winner, Hall of Famer, and Albert Pools, 11-time All-Star. At one point, I was trying to tell a friend of mine who's not a baseball fan what a big deal it was. I go, let me put it this way. Albert Pools is one of four people alive, no, four people ever, who have hit 700 home runs. And I got to meet him and hang out with him, and he's a super nice guy. I mean, he's he's as big-hearted as you'd expect. So it was it was an incredible experience. Just, United you know, airline logo is killing me.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, it sounded like everything was great, except everywhere you had to travel over the last couple of times uh, just went to hell and you've oh, had 100. to. <laughs> but
1: I, I feel like Canadians, like in general, we like a good road trip. Like, you, how long is Calgary to like Vancouver? I feel like you would just drive that, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, Probably. Like, I feel like Canadians were just like Stu Grimson said to me one time, he I mean, there's one thing about Canadians. We like a good road trip. He was I think Stu grew up in I C. I don't know exactly where, but he said like he had family in Manitoba. And he like every summer we would just drive. It was like a twenty hour drive. <laughs> Canadians like whatever, just just get in the car, get in that Trans Canada Highway. We'll figure it out.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh so you met uh it
0: looked like you had a great time. You were uh rubbing elbows with every celebrity it seemed like they're Canadian uh, Freddie Freeman seemed to be one of your favorites. Cuban, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I mean Canadian, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Uh Who was the highlight for you? You mentioned Pedro Martinez, but at one of those events, you probably get to see just about everybody of the big stars. Who stood out in Adnan's mind as the, the key guest over your time in
1: Seattle? Well, I wanted to wear my best suit, my newest suit, so I just got a purple suit, which I said, this is going to be very polarizing. It's going to be love it or hate it. And thankfully, people loved it. And those that hated it, clearly, the jealous guys that don't know how to dress. Obviously. Specifically, Lourdes, specifically Lourdes Correo Jr. was walking by. He's like, hey, great suit. And then I had him laugh because his hair right now is a little bit colored purple. So I said, you should be wearing this suit. It would match your hair. Uh, I don't know how good his English is, but he had good enough English to walk by me and say, good suits. I'm like, all right. Hey, nice. Let's go, Go sport, I love it. Let's go Mets. So those guys, and A Rod of all people uh, walked by. He was like, hey, nice suit. I'm like, all right, I'll like, that, was, that. That was my big thing I was thrilled with. Um, but yeah, Freddie Freeman was really cool. We did the interview, and on set, I'd set a stat about 33 international born players playing the All Star game. And I said, most importantly, though, Freddie plays for Canada, and he starts, I don't think he knew was Canadian at that point. I was like, hey, Freddie plays for Canada as a fellow Canadian, I'm proud of you. And me and Ryan Dempster love you. He starts laughing. He says, no, I got to honor my parents. So then I said, you know, normally I would never ask for a picture for anybody, but with Freddie Freeman, I go, "I got a picture." He's like, yeah, of course, man." And I said, "So where exactly are your folks?" He's a mom from Peterborough, Ontario, and dad's from Windsor. I said, "Dude, that's awesome." I said, "That's," I said, "One thing about Canadians, you know, we know a thing about every other Canadian." He's like, "Go, absolutely." I said, "We we always track each other." So I said, "Thanks, seriously, th- thanks for playing for Canada." He's like, Oh, of course, man." So was, I was really happy to meet him. Jordan Romano is also a great guy. I went up to him. I said, "You look a lot like my buddy Scott Ragowski. I don't think he knows who Rags is, but they look uncanny with their hair and their beard. And I said, big question for you. I always say Romano because it's Ray Romano, but Dan Schulman, who's the smartest guy alive, calls you Romano. So which one is it? And he said, in Canada it's Romano, but in America it's Romano. I go, okay. And I said, well, I'm, I guess I should, I said, I guess, I, I guess I should call you Romano because you pitch in Canada, but technically I live in America. He's like, dude, say whatever you want, but yeah, technically in Canada it's Romano. I said, well, let me ask you this. Does your mother or father, when they introduce themselves, do they say Romano or Romano? They say Romano. I go, all right, I'm of Romano, even if it's Ray Romano. Sounds good. <laughs> but uh, he was really cool. Like I said, Boba was awesome. The thing I want to ask Boba was he was a great tennis player as a kid. So I asked him, I said, do you still play tennis? Like, at one point, your dad thought you should have gone and played tennis. And the number four player in the world at one point, James Blake, one time was breaking down like Bo Bichette's swing in like 2019. Mm-hmm. There was a tennis video of him. He like, yeah, he's pretty good. So Beau was like, oh, I still play a little bit, not as much as I used to. He's like, No, but I love tennis, man. I, I still get out there a little bit. So, as you know, I was locked into Wimbledon. So it was just uh, the best part is, logo. Everyone's in a good mood. Like Luis Ariza comes to the set, I'm like, Bro, you're hitting 383. Like you're bananas. Like it's awesome. Jorge Soler, Rosa Reina. Again, even though they speak Spanish and I don't, they're still in a good mood. Yonder Alonso's translating for us. Of course, the big glaring one was Otani. I wish we got Otani. He did wave to us at one point. We were kind of wave him over, and he's kind of like blaming his translators. So no, talk to him. Talk to him. So. <laughs> So that, that, that was the one thing. If, like, I was just thinking if someone said to me, did you talk to Otani?" I did not talk to Otani. And the a little lack of star power with no judge, no trout. Yeah. Like the National League won. wasn't a particularly great game, but what was really surprising was the rosters. When you looked at the lineups, the National League clearly had the better lineup. I don't know the last time we could say that. You always look at the American League lineup and go, dude, these guys got hitters everywhere. This time it was the National League, which had the better lineup. And squeaked by with a win with Elias Diaz, of all people, hitting the go-ahead home run.
0: <laughs> yeah, you would have really made some money if you got that bet right on top of your home run derby
1: bracket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been incredible. Right? I listen, I follow the game avidly. I know who he is. I, he's have, he's yeah. the first ever Rockies catcher to make the All-Star game. He's there as a DH, but he did not have that in the bingo card. And it would have been amazing. Like by the, And you know, I was kind of watching it out in center field, which we were laughing. I go, if there's a home run hit, everyone's going to go, who's the guy in the purple suit? They'll definitely see me on Fox. <laughs> And then I kind of went to the suite, you know, hobnob with the bosses. Yeah. But the last few I was sitting maybe 20 rows behind home plate. And so people were kind of looking like, uh, like, who is this guy? Who's this guy in a purple suit with a media pass? just sitting in the. But I, I had a great view. And that ninth inning, when Julio came up, and I said, God, if he goes deep here, this would be pretty sick to see. Instead, he walks. I think it was Ramirez who struck out of ground, out, whatever it was. But. Good game overall, and definitely a great environment, man. Again, I don't know how many times you've been to Seattle, but it's a it's a beautiful city. It really is.
0: I've never been. It's certainly on the, the bucket list now, especially now they've got uh, the Kraken back there, and it seems like it's yeah. just one of those great sports cities, and I, I was saying that to a couple of buddies when I was watching the Home Run Derby, and even when they were chanting at Otani, you know, to come to Seattle, they were sold out. It just seems like a great a great sports town on the West Coast, and, you know, hard to they had a basketball team there at one point. Feels like that could be something to get back on the horizon. All of a sudden, you've got the Mariners there. You've got the Kraken there. They did well in the playoffs. Maybe a basketball team again in Seattle's and on the uh, sports scene in the U.S. West Coast again.
1: Oh, I couldn't agree more. That's what a couple of producers and I were saying. This is a great sports team. Seahawks have been around for a long time. You know, Steve Largent, obviously, way back in the day, but the recent Legion of Boom, they won a Super Bowl, and we know how passionate they are about that. The 12th man, how great those crowds are. Again, Mariners haven't had a lot of success recently, but finally made the playoffs last year. Beautiful ballpark. Again, the history of Griffey, Edgar, etc. The Sounders, I mean, geez, in soccer, like they, that crowd goes berserk. Right? Yes. Best home, home fans. In soccer, hockey, as you mentioned, year two already, the Kraken made huge strides, and you go, God, that, like, how, does it, how does this take this long? How did it take that long for Seattle to get a hockey team? Like Kraken, Vancouver, natural rivalry, and you can see, I was walking around, I saw Kraken jerseys and Kraken t-shirts, and, and I'm totally with you on the basketball they love their Sonic, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, et cetera. It feels like inevitable at some point basketball should return to Seattle because it's a, it's an awesome fan base for sports. You can totally feel it when you're there.
0: Uh, before we move on from the All-Star game into some second-half storylines with you, pal, um, just to, I know you and me have talked about the All-Star games before and how they sort of vary sport to sport. And I know you mentioned that we didn't have quite the star power that we usually do at these events, but it still seems to me like baseball's doing it the best of any pro sport when it comes to the all-star game festivities, because I think even the NHL, you know, there's still guys that take all-star weekend off and would rather have the break MLB, right? Look, look at the guys we had in the home run derby stars upon stars. I was seeing to my producers earlier this week "No, nope, but We had a G leaguer in the, the, the slam dunk contest last time they did it. Like the, that's not how MLB does things. And yes, it doesn't mean, World Series, you know, home field advantage anymore. But it's still, to me, by far the most palatable all-star out of any of the pro sports in North America.
1: Yeah, palatable is the perfect word for it. Because if you watch hockey and basketball, they're just glorified exhibitions. You just want to see, you know, three-on-ones and slam dunks. Okay, fine. But to me, I I can take about 10 minutes, and that's terrible. Football, I I can't watch. Somehow, it's incredibly six million people will watch the Pro Bowl. I can never watch it to waste time. So, baseball... Right? Baseball still looks like a baseball game. Yep. Somebody is still throwing ninety two miles an hour. A guy still hit home runs. I tell you what, I had that great view in center field, right out of the gate, the first two catches. And right so I think it was the Garcia made the first catch and the Rosarina made the catch and left. You're like, oh man, like those guys are trying. If, if it was an All Star game like basketball, they wouldn't have cared. Ball goes over his head. Eh, whatever, ground rule double, who cares? No, those guys are trying to make plays, which is really cool to see. And obviously Garrett Cole in the mound appreciated. So I'm with you. I, I don't look at the numbers. I don't know what's happening. I'll tell you this. I was looking at all the numbers for the first half of the year attendance is up for baseball by 8%. If that continues, that would be the highest rate of growth over 5% since 2004. So that's pretty impressive that that's happening. The TV ratings are up 12%, I saw. And the time of game is the biggest thing. We've gone from 3.03 a year ago to 2.38 right now. So the fact that we've shaved off 25 minutes out of games, it's amazing. And I keep thinking, like, 2.38, can we get to 2.30? If that holds up, by the way, 2.38, That'd be the shortest average nine inning game since 1984. Wow. Like it's incredible. Like you can literally look at the numbers and go, wait, so we made the game more like it was in the eighties and it's become more popular. I'm like, yeah, if there's less standing around and more action and more stolen bases, if this also holds highest record of stolen base success rate ever, I think it's at 79, 80%. That'd be the highest ever in the history of baseball. So it's, it's pretty crazy, man, how well the new rules have worked out. Like I knew it worked, when I saw those numbers, I, it was eye-popping how well it's worked out.
0: All those stolen base stats are only coming from one kid in Cincinnati, though. That's all that that's from.
1: <laughs> the one thing I was joking about, one of my buddies I was playing tennis with today, he goes, you know, if baseball really wanted to do it right. What is the point of the game? I said, to celebrate baseball excellence. He goes, exactly. He goes, I know Ellie De La Cruz has only played 30 games. He's the most exciting player in baseball. Like, he should be there. I, I don't give a damn if it's like, well, you're going to earn your stripes. He doesn't play. No, no. Dude. If you like baseball and you like Ellie Dela Cruz, you, he should be there. And I said, well, I love Nando. He goes, exactly. Tatis yeah. should be there too. He goes, on, on numbers, he should be there. He goes, if Ellie Dela Cruz and Tatis are not there, that's ridiculous. Like, it's supposed to be entertaining. Those guys are as entertaining as it gets. I'm like, well, that's a fair point.
0: Uh, it'll be a, a second-half storyline to watch for, for sure, what happens with the Reds. Ellie uh, Dela Cruz is like much watch TV right now. They're on top of the NL Central. But uh, is there a bigger second-half storyline as we head into post-All-Star break, Virk, than – uh, what happens with Shohei Ohtani and the Angels? Are they finally going to get to a place where they can trade this guy away and and move on with the, whatever exactly that franchise does on a day-to-day basis?
1: Well, I think it's the biggest story in baseball. It's the biggest story in sports. And at least we'll get our answer relatively soon here within the next two and a half weeks. Now, I don't think there's a chance they trade him, but I never want to say never. Like, let's at least put it at 5%. Let's at least put it at 10%. If somebody offers a Herschel Walker-type trade, you think Artie Moreno's going to say no? Like, it's at least a conversation worth having. So I wouldn't say absolutely no, but probably not. And I think ultimately Otani will play out the rest of the, the Angels. Fingers crossed he stays healthy. God, no, no injuries, please. Let's just see this historic year. He could get 58 home runs and strike out 230 guys. It's just insane to even think about. And We keep saying it. We haven't seen it since Babe Ruth. But again, Babe wasn't doing it simultaneously. Babe was a great pitcher, then became an incredible hitter. He wasn't hitting 60 home runs. And also racking up, you know, 200 strikeouts. Simu- so he's doing it simultaneously, but I don't think he gets traded. I don't think they make the playoffs. They just don't have enough depth. They're not going to have Trout after that swing and here at his wrist. I said, "Oh, that's no. bad. He's not back till September." Rendon's still a disappointment. They really got to hope like these Mickey Moniacs and Joe Adels and those young kids can step up. And I just think it's too hard uh, a road to travel to get to the playoffs. But barring a, a catastrophe, Otani's going to win his second MVP award. And he's going to go somewhere else. I think it's probably the Dodgers. Because he gets to say, hey, I stay in L.A., three-hour flights to Japan. Obviously, go see friends and family, which is important to him. He can still make a ton of money being on the West Coast. And he's going to the better team. Like, quite simply, wait, I can stay where I am, where it's warm weather and I'm comfortable. But I just have a team where there's tradition and winning. I'm like, yeah, they've actually (laughs) won a World Series in the last few years. They're going to spend more money. No-brainer. Like, I I couldn't imagine he stays in the Angels. And the other options, like, why would I go to the Mets? Like, yeah, the Mets have yeah. a lot of money, but they've been a, a disappointment. Why would I do that? Like, the Dodgers are going to offer as much money as the Mets, as much as the Angels, and they win, and it's SoCal, and that's a no-brainer. Like, why would I go to the Mets? No, they don't have a history of winning. They've had a horrible season. They've got a lot of problems. Their pitching staff, et cetera. Yankees, like, again, you would sell tradition, I guess. Like, hey, man, look at the Yankee strips, but, but they've got Judge. They've got their guy. No. The only one is maybe San Francisco. Because, again, you can say I'm staying on the West Coast. Very strong Asian population. And and they could tell you that, hey, you'll be the guy. In L.A. with the Dodgers, there's other dudes. There's Mookie Betts, there's Kershaw, et cetera. San Francisco, we don't have any stars. You come to us, you'll be the guy. So maybe San Fran, but I really think it's the Dodgers. It, to me, it feels like a no-brainer.
0: Uh, last baseball one, because I want to get some movies in with you before we let you go. Bigger disappointment this year, the Mets, the Cardinals, or the Padres?
1: I'm glad you asked. That I did sports that last week, and Faisal Femise does a great job. And he said to me, Hey, what's the biggest ups? It's got to be Mets, or is it Padres? And you took the words out of my mouth, and I go, "Well, I got to disagree with you. I think it's St. Louis." Yeah, I looked at these numbers. They're on pace for ninety-six losses, like that. They have—that's the most losses they would have in something like sixty-seven years. I think they, they lost like ninety-nine games, like years ago. And they're had eight putrid at home too. Seasons. Oh, like eighteen straight winning seasons, and they're known as one of the great baseball teams in America. And I've been to that park, and I. I love Busch Stadium, and everyone's ranked Cardinal red. But you're right. You're horrible at home. Everything that's gone wrong could go wrong. The lone all-star is Nolan Arenado, which even if you look at his defensive numbers, he hasn't been very good. Offensively, he's good. He's not great, but he's fine. But Goldschmidt's been up and down, and the rest of the team, like, their pitching's a mess. Like, Wayne writes in his final season. He has a 7.5 ERA. Uh, Flaherty is a pending free agent. He's not going to be back. Nope. Jordan Montgomery's a pending free agent. He's not going to be back. They, they have no pitching next season. I'm not kidding. So they, and they've got a surplus of outfielders. So they say they're going to start selling. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade Nolan Gorman and get a young arm, maybe from Seattle. They're very rich and young pitching talent. Um, and George Kirby would be outstanding if you can get him. I don't think he can get him. Uh, Jordan Walker could be a guy on the move. But, like, it's, it's pretty stunning to me how bad they've been. San Diego and Mets are disappointing, of course, especially in relation to payroll. But I just, I've just, never seen a St. Louis this stinky um, and with seemingly no way of bouncing back. Like, I don't think the Mets or the Padres make the playoffs. But they could go on a run and push for a wild card. St. Louis ain't going anywhere. Like Their season's over. I didn't think I would say that July 13th.
0: Okay, before we let you go, uh, I'm extremely excited for the upcoming week of movies. Uh, Oppenheimer looks fantastic. The IMAX reels that you've seen in theaters look incredible. Uh, it's going to be one of the best movies, and it's going up against the movie that, look, maybe you didn't expect to be in contention with it, but Barbie looks like it's going to be its own Fun thing, Adnan, and it feels like this might be the best movie news we have for a while because this, I don't think people realize, you know, this screen actors Guild, or the writers and the actors going on strike is is a terrible, terrible news thing for when it comes to movies and and TV shows going forward. Uh, I'm going to enjoy these next two movies. Where's your excitement level at for Oppenheimer and Barbie before we get to the negative stuff?
1: Well, especially Oppenheimer, I can't wait. You know, it's going to be opening next Friday, the 21st. Thursday night, I'm debating. I've got to work a double, so I'll be at work a long time. And I thought maybe I'd go see a nine o'clock show. Then I saw it's three hours, and I was like, I don't know if I should do this. So I, I'm definitely off Saturday, so I will see it on the weekend, and I can't wait. I'll either see it in 70 millimeter or I'll see it in IMAX. But I love that Christopher Nolan makes these big budget movies, which are designed for the big screen. You've got to see it, you've got to appreciate it. Even though I will say, I thought Tenant was a little disappointing, yeah. a little too confusing, but I can't wait for <laughs> Oppenheimer. And I will see Barbie. My wife wants to see it, and I go. You know what? I like the pedigree. You and I are indie movie guys, so we know that Greta Gerwig is a name. That if you like movies, like, dude, I know who Greta Gerwig is. She's smart. She's talented. She's funny. I appreciate what she did with Lady Bird and uh, Little Women, and uh, Noah Baumbach, I believe, was involved with the script as well. So she's a good director, and they're they're talented. So I was like, once I saw their are on board, I go, okay, this isn't going to be what I'm expecting. And Barbara Robbie was saying, if you love Barbie and the the sweet confection of that, you'll like it. If you hate Barbie, you may still also like it because it's kind of like taking winking nods at Barbie and being kind of silly and being subversive. So, but then in the same breath, Margot Robbie said, but it's tricky. If you try to make a movie for everybody, you end up making a movie for nobody. So that is something to consider, but just from watching the trailer, it's visual eye candy. It looks fun, kind of goofy, kind of silly. And if it's bad and it's too campy, maybe it's so bad it's good, right? Like I yeah. kind of feel like Barbie could have that aspect too. Like even if it's ridiculous, I might be laughing at Brian Goss and eight Pack and what <laughs> they're trying to say with it. So uh, oppenheimer for sure if, if i don't make like, the thursday night screening which I, i'm really tempted to do yeah but i might be just too gassed i think i'll definitely go saturday and i'll definitely see barbie and like you said if for anybody who says movie theaters are over a ton of people are going to be going to see two movies next weekend and it's for wildly different fan bases and then of course guys like you and me will see both of them because we're just we're just moving up
0: yeah we don't, we don't have a choice it's in our blood we're forced to do this to uh satisfy some weird part of our brain but uh the bad news was that you know, on the other side of that the Oppenheimer cast left the UK premiere now and uh we got to worry about have you seen some of the stories coming out about residuals and some of the deals that they're trying to make with actors and things going forward some of the stories here uh on this actors and, and writers strike Adnan have been kind of wild
1: yeah I'm getting worried man like the writer's strike is going and there's no end in sight And the whole rumor has been Watch out if there's an actor strike. If the actor strike joins them, it could be catastrophic. And as you said, there's a lot of content right now in the can. But, okay, let's suppose there's a strike September 1st. Hey, we're good till the rest of the year because all these, these movies are already out. But then what happens next year? Like then you've got four months of nothing being filmed. I, I don't even want to think about it. It could be an absolute disaster.
0: Yeah. uh, Fingers crossed it doesn't get there, but man, does it ever seem bleak right now? I'm going to try to avoid it. I'm going to put it away in a separate compartment where I put all my other bad thoughts and worry about it later and just procrastinate on uh, any issues that I have to for now. I'm going to enjoy the movies. uh, Just as much as I enjoyed this conversation, Verk, great to have you back. Probably. I hope you had a great time back in Seattle and we'll chat with you again next week. Hey, I
1: appreciate you as always. Good to be back, man.
0: We'll talk soon. Take care. Edna and Verk joining us down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline. MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, you would have seen Verk and his bright purple suit all over MLB Network during the All Star Game, rubbing shoulders with Bichette and Freeman and Vladdy. Uh, some great coverage there from Verk, and uh, a great travel story in there as well. Appreciate him uh, joining us this Thursday. We're gonna take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Let to get you set for all things Stampeders. They're getting ready for a matchup against the Riders on Saturday. Azam's got your latest on the Stamps Report. That's next as Sportsnet 960 rolls on on this Thursday. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
1: You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
0: We are back on Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan from the Doug Lacy's Basement Systems Downtown Studios. Just finished up our chat with Adnan Verk in segment one. He's back from Seattle. And we'll be all star game finishing up. Getting ready for the second half of the season. Storylines to watch for. Of course, we'll keep an eye on the Toronto Blue Jays. They start a series against Arizona on Friday. We'll get our next uh, Jays report tomorrow from Taylor. Just. Literally nothing going on on this Thursday. So,
2: I mean, unless you want zero updates on Jordan Romano or to be let known that George Springer and Jay Jackson are back off the paternity list, that's about it.
0: Uh, and there's your Jay's report with, with Taylor Dingman. That's, that's, we just, instead of doing all the big fancy productions, that was it. That was literally what it was going to be. So, we just, we just did it in that form instead of uh, the big fancy way we'd usually do it. Uh, Yeah, will Shohei Ohtani be traded? Trade deadline's coming up. Lots of storylines to watch. Uh, We dove into some of them with Adnan Virk uh, in segment one, if you missed that one. Uh, Still to come, we'll chat some CFL. The week kicks off tonight with the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Edmonton Elks. But before we get into that, time to check in on the Calgary Stampeders. They have a big matchup Saturday in Regina against the Rough Riders. With today's edition of the Stamps Report, here's Azam. This is the Stamps Report.
3: Last day of practice here in Calgary before the Stamps ship off to Regina for their Week 6 matchup against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Stamps fell to the Riders in their first meeting of the season in double overtime at McMahon Stadium. Head coach Dave Dickinson spoke after practice about the team carrying that Week 3 loss into Saturday's
4: game. Yes, it was a tough loss. Uh, You know, time does kind of, I guess, uh, help you move on. But... uh, it was a battle. You know, it'd be nice to go out there and steal one on their turf now, and uh, that—that's the goal.
3: Thursday's session was our final look at the team before they head out on Friday, and the team has gotten some healthy receivers back, which has created some healthy competition within the receiver
4: group. You know, uh, probably everyone's alive except for Jalili, just got here. Um, even Tyson looks like he can play. Uh, does give you some issues? You can't play them all because. You need some of those guys to play special teams as well, and uh, the guys that play, though, hopefully they step up because there's there's a lot of competition now.
3: The full injury report will be available later on this Thursday afternoon. With lots of roster decisions to be made, the coaching staff believes that the smartest is the way to go and the best roster needs to play. With the team underperforming to start the season, head coach Dave Dickinson was asked about the urgency of the team.
4: I think the urgency is there, but- I still feel like we're not uh, we're not just clicking. It's not going to be like overnight. I think it's got we're going to have to keep working and keep working. And the main thing for me is just believe in the process, uh, believe in your teammates, yourself as well, and go try to make some plays.
3: In the week three loss, the running game was a key factor, and the Stamps are prepared to make adjustments in the second game of the season series.
4: Yeah, they they had 133 on us with Morrow, and uh, you know I have this I have this. Feeling that they might, you know, use the play action early. Uh, Just trust your eyes. Tackle as a group. He broke a lot of tackles, and uh, we'll see how the game turns out. So don't overemphasize any one part of stopping a a team. Just do your job and, and execute the call.
3: The Stamps will look to emerge victorious on Saturday, but it will be the young players who are going to be called upon to step up and lead this team their second victory of
4: the season. We're a young, super young team, but what I broke him down by saying is it's our young guys, you've been here long enough now, it's time to step up. Uh, Yes, we want our vets to be the guys, but we don't have a ton of them. So young guys step up, make some plays.
3: After practice, I caught up with wide receiver Reggie Bagleton with his thoughts on the team heading into their week six matchup against the Riders. We're here with Reggie Bagleton prior to the game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Friday. Reggie, first of all, you've been back for a week now. How do you feel just uh, health-wise?
5: Uh, I, feel, I feel normal. Uh, you know, I played a few games. I feel like football wear and tear. Uh, but overall, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm going to be able to make plays and, and go out there and be the leader that I need to be.
3: Obviously, with this team, you lost uh, in overtime in that one. Does that sting a little bit? And does you take that little stingness into the game on Friday?
5: I mean, any loss things. It doesn't matter how you lose, overtime, uh, get beat, you know, fair and square. Uh, It all is what it is. It's still a loss in the uh, lose column. So, yeah, I mean, just because it's the next opponent fuels me. It doesn't matter what they did to us last time. It's they're next on the schedule. We're going out there to win, and that, that's enough to, to play how you're supposed to play.
3: Uh, just talk a little bit about Jake. He Obviously, he's not the season he wanted so far, but he really seems to be a leader in the room and kind of finding his way as the leader of this group.
5: No, absolutely. Um, he, he takes that role uh, very great. Um, so do I. Uh, one thing we do is communicate. Uh, he's not alone up in there, and that, and that helps big time uh, when it comes to trying to get everybody together. With this team, what can
3: you take in going into Friday? What is the goal advantage to go against the Rough Riders?
5: I mean, go in, be physical, and win this game. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. I mean, uh, there's 60 minutes. uh, They're going to play, we're going to play, and whoever can make the most plays is going to come out and win the game.
3: Coach talks about having, you know, the younger players need to step up with the balance of the leadership. uh, in your mind, how could you help those younger receivers step up to the game that they can play?
5: Uh, hopefully I can get them open enough to just be comfortable to communicate, and that, that's that's where it all starts. If you don't know something, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to uh, uh, to put yourself in that position of a leader leadership role. Um, if we all can get to be one, one team, then that, that's where we'll really start clicking.
3: Awesome. Good luck on Friday and uh, come out with that win. Thank you. The team leaves for Regina on Friday and will be ready to extract some revenge at Mosaic Stadium Saturday evening at 5 o'clock. With your Stamps report filling in for Patrick Duma, I'm Azam Ali Nanji. Thank you Azam. appreciate that.
0: Uh, Stampeders and the Rough Riders finished off the CFL week on Saturday at Mosaic Stadium, part of a Saturday double header that includes the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Ottawa to take on the Red Blacks at 2 o'clock. Friday night football tomorrow. Argos and the Owls. And tonight, week six kicks off from Edmonton. The 0-5 Elks, the 1-3 Hamilton Tiger Cats. Can the Elks end that brutal home losing streak. Uh, we'll see what's up uh, tonight. It's a 7 p.m. kickoff from Edmonton. Should uh, be aware, though, they are monitoring the air quality in Edmonton. Some of that smoke uh, that we see here in Calgary again on this Thursday has uh, come down into Edmonton as well. Uh, so, of course, player safety first and foremost. And for anybody going to the game, not gonna be fun to sit out for two and a half, three hours and all that smoke. If it's uh, too heavy, they will uh, maybe postpone kickoff or push it. But uh, just something to watch for ahead of tonight's game at 7 o'clock. That's the CFL story. Uh, not much NHL news going on right now, but there is a, a story that's been percolating today that we just got more information on. Um, It was a bit of a head-scratcher earlier this morning when the Arizona Coyotes placed Alex Galchenyuk on waivers uh, to terminate his contract. Now, these things happen. We just saw uh, Philip Zadina uh, do a very similar, uh, have a similar situation happen to him with the Detroit Red Wings. They mutually agreed to terminate his contract. He was placed on waivers. These things happen, but they don't generally happen Twelve days after that player signs with a team in free agency, uh, Galchenyuk was going back to a team that he had played for before. Uh, he's bounced around. We were talking those with uh, GVP a little bit earlier today, and we were doing the old Google search on Alex Galchenyuk because Taylor uh, and her friends have nicknamed him Mister Worldwide. Uh, we thought that uh, that meant Pitbull, but apparently you for would Taylor, think be Pitbull. you'd think it would be Pitbull, yeah. but apparently it's. It's what they call Alex Galchenyuk. I said Mr. North America might be better, but we won't we won't we won't squibble about that. It's Feels fine. Feels like nitpicking. It is. It is. It's yeah. really It's, you know, he's been around a lot. Is what we're trying to say.
2: Bit of a suitcase. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah, he's had a hard time uh finding a place in the NHL since being drafted third overall by the Habs uh back in 2012. That was going to be his longest in the NHL. Might have a harder time now uh finding a place to play after uh, some details have come out today. Katie Strang, uh, senior investigative writer at The Athletic, with the latest just coming down uh, a few moments ago. Some reasoning for the Coyotes wanting to get out of this contract that they just signed with uh, Galchenyuk back on July 1st. Uh, Well, Scottsdale Police uh, Police Department confirming to The Athletic that Galchenyuk was arrested on July 9th, that's uh, this past Sunday, on a number of charges, including private property hit and run, Disorderly conduct, failure to obey, resisting arrest, and threatening or intimidating. So not good for Alex Galchenyuk, and there's your reasoning behind uh, him finding himself on waivers today uh, to terminate that contract, the Coyotes wanting nothing to do. Uh, with Galchenyuk, who did play 72 games as a member of the Coyotes back in 2018-19, where he put up 41 points. But that was, oh, he also played there in 21-22. Okay, not as great a result, 21 points in 60 games. Uh, Mixed in there, stops in Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Ottawa, Toronto, and 11 games with Colorado last season, which amounted in zero points and a minus-8-plus-minus. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk going to have to figure out some off-ice issues clearly before anything else comes in GVP, uh, one of my outstanding producers. We were talking about this earlier. We were kind of wondering what uh, what was going on, and uh, this is uh, confirmation today from Katie Strang as to why the Coyotes aren't going to go down that road with Galchenyuk again.
2: Yeah, and I, I guess that makes sense. Like you said, things were up in the air, but like what you just mentioned there, it's hard to keep a guy like that around and, and and i know at times in sports you can keep a guy with some qu- questionable character issues or something like that the oilers kind of put up with a kane but it's obvious that he's kind of straightened out his behavior and whatnot maybe galchenia can get another shot somewhere else but it seems doubtful after everything you just said
0: well i mean look the one thing i'll say and it's it's the gross side of sports yeah if you're if you can produce, they'll find a way for you, right? It doesn't matter what you do if you're productive at the NHL level, the NBA level, the NFL. It's all about it. they'll find a spot for you. Alex Galchenyuk wasn't productive last season. Played 11 NHL games for the Avs
2: and basically put up didn't zero play. Points, him. yeah. Basically didn't play them.
0: Yeah, he put up eight shots in 11 games. He's not. He's far away from the 30 goal score that he was in Montreal in 2015, 60. And the fact that you only went eight days after signing a contract with a team and had this major incident happen. Hey, look, everybody get, I'm up for second chances. I'm not saying you're kicking Alex Galchenyuk out of the league for this, but I'm just saying you mix in a less than productive player. Yeah. Now dealing with some pretty serious, I mean, it's a long list of charges that he's facing from the Scottsdale Police Department.
2: And that contract only lasting eight days is going to be a red flag to any other team that even wants to kick the tires on him. The fact that a team was willing to just totally bail on that commitment to him, you know, less than 10 days is is, is something that's going to be very indicative of what his future is like. And it it doesn't seem like it's going to be in the National Hockey League, in my opinion. No. uh, So what you're saying is he does become Mr. Worldwide.
0: Okay, here's the deal, Taylor. I will... I will grant you Alex Galchenyuk, Mr. Worldwide nickname status if his next stop is, say, Switzerland or the 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 DHL. Yeah, KHL. If that happens, I will, without a doubt, put away any reservations about the Mr. Worldwide nickname. Is that fair?
2: I'm going to be honest. I'm not the one who came up with this. You put it on the rundown, though. I know, but it was one of my other friends. She had said this, and we all looked at her, and we're like, who is Mr. Worldwide? It's Pitbull. It is. It's Pitbull. But it's just become such an inside joke that Mr. Worldwide is now Alex on. Well, yet. and you
0: know, unfortunately, your friend doesn't do the rundown. So I didn't know who to attribute it to, except for you. And I heard you explaining it to Shan earlier. Shan was confused. Shan's still confused. Shan uh, still thinks we're talking about Pitbull.
2: We're not talking about Pitbull? No. Oh. Shan oh. confirmed Big Pitbull. What <laughs> are, are we talking yeah, about?
0: Yeah, Shan, Shan, Shan would have rather seen Pitbull than Jack Harlow last
2: night. Uh, yeah. I can confirm. <laughs>
0: uh that's the real mr worldwide hey maybe alex galchenyuk becomes the nhl version of mr worldwide but um uh, whatever nickname you have for alex galchenyuk right now uh you can probably save it the coyotes aren't going to need it um it was just a one-year contract anyways third stint with the team low risk low reward and uh doesn't last 12 days with the organization Uh, I imagine he'll slip through waivers tomorrow without a peek and have to deal with uh, all of those off-ice issues uh, that we just mentioned, in case you missed it. Katie Strang has it from The Athletic. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk arrested back on July 9th. Number of charges, including private property, hit and run, disorderly conduct, failure to obey, resisting arrest, and threatening or intimidating. So not great uh, for Alex Galchenyuk. Hopefully we can get that figured out and. Uh, get back on track with his career. Still just 29. That's the craziest thing. Me and GP were talking about this again earlier. The guy's 29. He's played in a ton of NHL games. Uh, 654. Some talent there, but... And, and it an feels st- even
2: longer ago when he was a 30-goal scorer.
0: Yeah. It does feel long ago because
2: you were mentioning something to you. Were like, oh, Minnesota. I'm like,
0: he played on Minnesota?
2: I don't remember him in a Minnesota jersey. What? Don't remember him as a Maple Leaf, obviously, no. because of that bubble year where that everyone just wants to forget about, which yeah. I don't blame him. Yeah.
0: A very strange time, yeah. And he started in Ottawa for that, yeah. It's all weird. Anyways, that's the latest on Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, hopefully, he can get that stuff figured out, and uh, we'll see where it goes. But he won't be with the Coyotes uh, going forward. We know that for sure. Uh, we're gonna wrap up the hour. Say thank you to Edna and Verk for joining us. Thank you for listening with a live on the podcast. Uh, and shout out to those amazing producers Taylor, Shan, and Garrett for all their hard work this hour. We appreciate it. We're back tomorrow for a Friday edition to wrap up the week. We'll chat some CFL tomorrow, see if the Elks got that first home win on the season. Uh, we're going to pass things over to Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg. I'll join Pat for the first hour. And then uh, we'll hear from Ryan Leslie from Sportsnet. That's coming up as well. And then Wes Gilbertson uh, along for an hour as well tonight. That is coming up as Sportsnet uh, today wraps up here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.